Hello and welcome back to part two of our Best Races Ever podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the first half and without any further ado, we will crack on and jump straight back in at the number five position. So I've got plenty of things that I can say about this next race as we go into fifth. <laughs> yes, so fifth place. And I have plenty to say about this as well, as I do about all of these races and anything running related in general, really. I do love a good rant. Um, so fifth place is the 2009 world championship, 5,000 meters. And this is what I said to you earlier. This was one of the first races that I ever watched on the TV as a proper fan of athletics. So I started running properly. I started going to the running club in December, 2008. And this obviously took place in the summer of 2009. So I've been running for about a year and I kind of just started to find some real success and started to find some real kind of love for the sport and was becoming more and more a fan of the sport. And this is one of the races that really cemented me as like a, no matter where my personal running goes, I will always be a fan of the sport, specifically distance running a 5,000 meter running in the sport. Exactly. And I think the other thing, and and that's obviously your personal relationship with this race Mm. and these championships. But the thing that's kind of stood out to me is that the importance of this tournament as the world championships is fairly obvious. But this is at a time... No, it's definitely worth mentioning for sure. But this is is at a time. 2009 is significant, obviously, because a year beforehand, 2008, is when Usain Bolt really exploded onto the international scene with people that didn't know anything about athletics having seen what he did in the Olympics. In the Beijing Olympics, yeah, with and the 100 metres celebrating early. And it, exactly. Yeah, and it, two, yeah. it, it just redefined what people... I mean, I remember watching that race. And if we were doing best races of all time, obviously we've kept these to distance races. But if I were to do mm. my all-time best races that I've ever seen ever, that 100-metre <laughs> final for 2008 with Usain Bolt, it will just be one of those lasting sporting memories that I will never, ever get out of my mind. It was that level of significance. Um, 100%. But to, to then talk about this, obviously Bolt was still in his prime at that point. He then went on and set the 100-meter and 200-meter world record as part of these championships. So the he national... May have also, I think he might have also got the 4x100. Uh, that might have since been... I think it was um, since broken. It's definitely been since broken. It might also... That performance may have been um, kind of DQ because there's I mean, so much stuff with drugs has gone on in sprinting especially for the relay like you don't know which relay results have been discounted and which ones haven't exactly but we're not we're not not dwelling on that although for the time being whilst i mentioned (laughs) we're on the subject of drugs so we'll just we'll talk about it now and then we'll drop it and we won't talk about it again oh so briefly (laughs) exactly i when compiling this list wanted to keep it as much of a drug-free zone as possible. And that includes athletes that are under heavy suspicion of having dope it, having doped or just enhanced performances in a way that you, Sam and I would consider not in the spirit of the sport. It so, tarnishes the legacy, as it were. Kind of, yeah. And other people may disagree with this, and that's fine. Like, I'm open to debate. Like, shoot me a message, chuck us a comment, whatever. As we always say, we're always open to discuss and debate these sorts of things. But this is the reason, and I do feel slightly guilty about it, but this is the reason primarily why there haven't been a lot of women's performances included in this. It's I can't deny that there is our audience and our preference towards what we find entertaining in athletics. It does skew male. 
And there's also a lot more history, which we addressed in our last podcast when we were talking about the top five performances of all time by males and females. There's a lot more history on the men's side just because of what, you know, males and females were allowed to do in terms of sports and competition throughout history. Not whether that's right or wrong. It's just the fact that the men's does have a much deeper and richer history. Um, And a lot of the best performances and races on the women's side of all time have been done under such a heavy cloud of doping and in recent times mechanical kind of i'll I'll say mechanical doping with the vapor flies and things like that but even so those were good performances rather than good races and yeah it's just it's hard to hard to come up with much that doesn't have some kind of a cloud hanging over it do you know what i mean You've cleared your you've cleared your conscience there. I think that was important for you. Yeah, that's that's it. I've I've cleared my conscience, and it's yeah. There you go. Disclaimer over. <laughs> Back to the world champs five k. Anyway, yes. So like we we're saying, so this was at a time where athletics was kind of, I not to say that it was having its second wind, so to speak, because obviously it has it's a hugely understandable and significant kind of pattern that these things go in. But yeah, it no, was, but it was, it was in the it was on an upswing. Yeah, it was yeah. on the upswing, yeah. Um, and then to look, <laughs> it's just crazy, just re- reading off the names because you just couldn't imagine them all on the same start line in, in this kind of context <laughs> anymore, is in the 5,000 event, you had Kende Sabikele, Bernard Legat, and Eli Kipchoge, as well, well as Mo Farah. As I was about to say Mo was in there, but he was just an also-ran at that point. Um, it, exactly. So to have these, you know, four as we now know them, absolute all-stars appear on the same start line is is quite something. Oh, absolutely. And they were all in, they were in pretty much the prime of their career. Maybe Kipchoge was coming towards the end of his track career, but that was as good as you'll see Legat over the 5,000 metres, as good as you'll see Bekele. Bekele wasn't... He was maybe a little coming towards the twilight, but he was certainly at pretty much his best in terms of racing. He was a little bit detached from his world records at this point. Uh, yeah, Legat, and it just came down to the craziest race between Bekele and Legat. The the I mean the finish of that we we'll, we'll sort of we'll talk about the finish before we talk about the middle part of the races. There's not a lot sure. in it, even with what twenty meters to go. It's still pretty neck and neck. Yeah, and that's what I found so exciting watching that for the first time. I was like, who is going to win here? Like I had you just you would you didn't know until they crossed the line. Exactly, like, Bekele would pull in front, and then Legat would pull in front. And I think Bekele, even with the commentary again, I don't know if it's a Steve Cram job, but um, he mm. says he says literally as they're coming down the home straight with probably 40, 50 meters left to go, he says it's I think he says the speed of Legat versus the he goes the fifteen hundred speed of Legat versus, versus the ten thousand strength. strength of Bekele, and, and that's exactly what it was. Perfect. And yep, and strength won it in the end. Bekele just about held off Legat. However, I mean, looking back, watching that race back. If Legat had positioned himself, because I think he had to go round Kipchoge with about 120 meters to go. Well, I think Kip- it was Kipchoge. Yeah, Kipchoge. I think was in sec. He was in second for the majority of the run. Yeah, um, and it was only I think he. I think Kipchoge tried to go. I think they started to go at the bottom part of the bottom part of the bend. So you can imagine that's probably with what 150 ish, 200 ra- round there or thereabouts left to go. Um, and they were starting to really shift, and Kipchoge tried to go with it. Um, but mm. like you say, I think he's... And Bekele, of... Yeah, Bekele just got that little gap, and there was that daylight between him and Kipchoge, and Legat sat on Kipchoge's shoulder that 
he just got a little bit of a jump on Legat and I mean Bernard Legat's the second fastest fifteen hundred meter runner of all time. He's run three twenty six for Christ's sake. Like <laughs> yeah, he's got speed, but at that level, with the level of fatigue he would have had in his legs, like if he'd just positioned himself in front of Kipchoge on Bakaley's shoulder rather than on Kipchoge's shoulder, you can't help but think maybe Legat would have got him maybe maybe he'd have had that extra meter those extra couple of meters that he lost when Bekele got the jump on him yeah. and maybe it would have been a different result but I mean that was just it was an incredible race to watch I mean never before has neck and neck rang so true exactly and again if you put it into the context of a longer race you expect when obviously we talk so much about sprinting ahead of this when you watch a 200 meter race or a 100 meter race, you expect there to be those close finishers that have only got half a st- half a stride between them. But when you look at it over a longer race like that, to to see it is is incredible. And and talking about the sort of the the strategy in this, you have to remember that this is uh, Kendi Sabakela had already run the 10,000 in he'd already run the 10,000 and he'd already ran he'd already led a good amount of this race as well I mean, he, he, we said we'd talk about the middle middle race and he knew he had to make this at least relatively hard to yeah. drop Legat because Legat in his own right is a sub 13 minute 5k runner so he's clearly got the strength to go with it if it's a hard pace but if he had left it to it if they had say jogged around at 13 30 pace or so and left it to a pure kickers race I think Bekele thought, and I think a lot of people would probably agree, that Legat in the last 200 would have just been lethal and would have dusted everybody. So to have backed himself to have that game plan and to execute it the way that he did, which is, I mean, it's one of the hardest ways to win a race is to do it from the front. Yeah. Um, but for him to think that he could do that, know that he could do that, and that was his best chance, and to actually pull it off and execute that plan and win the race i think it's pretty special it's a lot of nerve it is a lot yeah. of nerve and to hold it together like you say and go and to to know what he's already run to know what he's got ahead of him and to be able to just go out and hold the front line and just keep going keep going keep going and, and go on to win like you say is something so incredibly special so one of those real kind of historic moments when when the careers of these athletes uh, you know especially Bekele and Kipchoge who are obviously so forefront in the conversation at the moment when those are finally put to bed that will be one of those races that you go back on and when they're when they're both old boys and they're not doing anything apart from appearing on the old promo that will be one of those races (laughs) that somebody on YouTube will get them sat down next to each other and get them to talk talk about 100% yeah no definitely It's, it's certainly one of the better races between between the two of them not the best one though Uh, but we'll get to that later foreshadowing (laughs) go on then what's next all right so that was number five fourth place on the list we've got another world championship race another ethiopian it is the 1993 world championship 10,000 meters featuring well actually legat is kenyan born as well he was representing the usa at the time so it is ethiopia versus kenya in a way again it was Gebra Selassie versus Paul Tanui. Now, this race was, what should we call it? Dramatic, controversial, exciting, <laughs> I think all of the above. And, and you know what? The funny thing about it was, is it wasn't anything exceptional necessarily right up until, right up until the last bit, was it? Right up until well, the last lap. It was literally with, yeah, yeah, within 400 meters to go is when it suddenly kind of burst into life. I mean, it's, it was fairly standard of a 10,000 at the time. Uh, essentially, Gebra Selassie, who was the world record holder at the time, him and Paul Tanui 
got away from the rest of the field. Gabriel Stolassi was sitting on to sitting in behind Tanui. The pace had slowed pretty significantly to the point where the penultimate lap was a 69 second lap, which for those of you who don't know, is only just inside 29 minute pace uh, for the 10k when these guys are, well, Gabriel Stolassi's personal best is 26. Oh man. I don't want to give the wrong number here. I think it's around 26.19. Maybe it's slower. Either way, Gabriel Selassie, low mid to low 26, this guy. Paul Tanui, not a huge amount slower. Gabriel Selassie sitting on Tanui. And Salah, you haven't run in a track race. You'll have never had this happen to you before. But when you're running close behind somebody or somebody's running close behind you at a pace that is slower than you're comfortable at, a lot of the time you'll kind of run into the back of each other and right. you'll clip their heels a little bit. Um, and this happened between these guys is Gabriel Selassie clipped the heels of Tanui and he, uh, he managed to do it somehow so badly that he pulled his shoe off a little bit. He pulled the back of his shoe off. I guess if you've got and, a spike there and it just catches in the wrong place. Yeah. Just caught onto it and just pulled it off. Um, and that's when the drama started. <laughs> this was literally coming in just after a lap to go or just before a lap to go. Tanui throws his hands up in the air, turns around at Bekele and pro- uh, sorry, at Bekele, at Gebre Selassie. He probably shouts something horrible at him, kicks his shoe off into lane three. And I am struggling to find the words to describe just how much he takes off. Like he just ignites the afterburner. <laughs> literally ignites the afterburner. It's, I, yeah, it's like he's literally just started a four hundred meter race. It's it's somebody it's told almost... somebody's told him, right? You should probably start running now. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's go. It's do you know what? It's, it's almost got some degree of comedy value to it because it oh, just doesn't it just doesn't look right. Like obviously you hear you see his shoe fly off, and it's I tell you what you likened it earlier. It's almost cartoonish in what happens. It is almost <laughs> really Looney Tunish as to how. Because he sort of bangs, he's so animated, he bangs on his head as if to say, I can't believe, you know, he goes, I'm out in front, in front of one of the best runners ever at the time. He goes, I can't believe he's looking, you've done this. He's looking good. He's, I can't believe, <laughs> nice Vine reference there. There you go. Uh, no, yeah, like it's looking, he's looking good as well. And you can tell from the way he runs the last lap, he would have had a legitimate chance to beat Gebra Selassie that day. But... And the reason he didn't However, beat him was because the afterburner was ignited with about 300 metres left to go. About 350, I'd say. It was kind of coming around the bend, maybe even 360, yeah. 370. Yeah, coming around the bend, just going into the last lap. But, but yeah, what an afterburner it was. Because <laughs> he goes, he goes. Yeah, I mean, he put a good... Appears. It was a good gap. I mean, you'd call it a winning gap in oh, almost any other race. It was good, yeah, 10, 15 metres, a good two or three seconds. And that gap didn't really start to close until, honestly, not really until the home straight. It was literally just the last 100 metres. If he had waited 50 metres to do it, then he might have won the race. And he might have won it quite convincingly. But Emotions got the better. The afterburners just ran out. He just ran out of gas just a little bit. It's like, you know in Formula One when they say the tyres get kind of worn out and they just fall off a cliff and you yeah. just can't drive the car anymore. Well, his tyre literally fell off. His tyre literally <laughs> well, fell off. Yeah. Well, it got, yeah, it got flattened and then he abandoned it. He just reached out and chucked it off. But, yeah, he um, he really ran out of gas there. <laughs> and Gabriel Selassie just sort of coasted by him to take the win. Um, 
the fantastic just, yeah. element of the of the drama though is it's as as to be expected and i think i would react in exactly the same way i won't sugarcoat it and say that i'd be a great sportsman about it i would be oh fuming. absolutely not i'd have been furious I, mean, I if anything he actually showed some restraint exactly yeah because you see at the end of it he goes to retrieve his lost shoe out in lane three and uh, <laughs> gabriel Slassy sort of comes up to him as if to say well done and you can see immediately that he puts his hand in his chest and no 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 not from you he literally has a shoe in his hand he puts a shoe in his chest you think it's got spikes on it i wouldn't be at all surprised when gabriel got in the shower later that day if he had half a dozen little sort of uh marks on his chest from where that shoe got thrust into him oh yeah no he probably he probably did like those spikes are no joke like pretty minor contact again with running into the back of somebody fairly minor contact will give you a good gash on your shin yeah, if you run into the back of somebody, uh, <laughs> I've got some. I've got some like literal scars that are still on my shins from spikes. I've actually got one on my quad somehow. Uh, Amazing from a cross country race. Yeah, <laughs> not sure quite Slogging how that up happened. Big hill, uh, things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was it was got... in the NCAA cross country, um, either 2015 or 16. I want to say 16. And yeah, I, I know the guy who did it. He was he ended up finishing really well that day. He finished third or fourth or something. It was Putsam Zenasalasi, who is a he's a sub twenty eight minute ten k guy. So pretty pretty solid company that I maybe didn't have too much business running directly behind. But <laughs> he's a tall bloke. He's he's about six three, six four. Oh, and wow. yeah, he uh, I got a nice taste of his twelve millimeter spikes <laughs> in my thigh that day. <laughs> Had no idea what had happened until I finished the race, but. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to Tanui and Gabriel Selassie. Yeah, I mean, if you're Tanui, like Jesus Christ, you want to? He's he's just stolen you. He had never won a world championship leading into this. We should say, Gabriel Selassie had won a few. He was kind of the guy to be. He had already established fairly legendary status. And yeah, like he, I think he actually kept his cool quite well. Yeah. Well. I dare say there was some colourful words said when he got back to the changing room, but yeah, but in, 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 the way that we can only look back on it now is that, ironically, had, I mean, had he have beaten Gabriel Selassie, he might have just been the one person to beat him, but because of that drama, maybe his legacy is actually, you know, albeit from a race that he didn't win, but maybe people will look back on him more fondly as a person who kind of got, I don't know, got... Um, he just got bad luck that day I think is a fair way to word it um, he did yeah who, no who he got very bad luck um, but exactly it's an well Gabriel Selassie as well legacy. absolutely and if we talk about Gabriel Selassie he's had some pretty interesting races in his career I wanted to kind of limit it to not making it all about one person which is why we've only got you know we've got two from Gabriel Selassie and two from Bekele. Um oh actually Bekele has three three in the end on this list but yeah, there's another race that stands out to me um, as one of Gabriel Selassie's most entertaining. And again, it has quite a good bit of comedy value. Is I cannot remember the race or the competitor, but essentially, Gabriel Selassie is about to outsprint somebody coming down the last 100 meters of a race. There's maybe 20 meters to go, maybe even less than that, maybe 10. And the guy <laughs> sees that Gabriel Selassie is about to come past him, obviously isn't too happy about it. So just wallops him in the back of the head <laughs> and sends him absolutely flying over the finish. If anything, this propels Gabriel Selassie even further <laughs> forward than he was already going to be and just throws him over the line. But imagine that. Somebody's going to beat you and you're just like, 
well, I'm not happy about this. Well, all right, I'll just get a quick dig in and punch you in the back of the head. <laughs> so oh, if anyone dear. knows what race that's from, I'd love to watch it again. So chuck us, chuck us a comment or something. Oh, dear. Go on then. Let's move forward because we are now in. We've been we've been recording this now for an hour and a half. We're on, we're on your 90 minutes, so we'll give you the benefit Ooh. of the doubt and, uh, and round off the last three. But let's yes. do... Let's do the last three. So this last, so this this third place is one that we've sort of teased a little bit. You've mentioned it in passing by mentioning that obviously Emily recommended it. You said that you were there to witness it yourself, and it holds a special spot because we found it as the most entertaining women's race that we yes. uh, that we could think of, so, and the only women's race we should mention to make this list. Um, I again really would love to be proved wrong and for there to be for somebody to show me a women's race that's worthy of this list. I'd yeah, I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong because I'd lo- I wish we had had more mention of women's races on this list. But we'll stick with this one because I mean, geez, if we were going to have a women's race, what a race! And again, what with, a race with my. With my key words that I've written on my notes here, drama is the one that's underlined here because, again, I didn't didn't know this race. As with a lot of these races, I didn't know this one. And I watched it before we sort of got everything set up today. And I was was sort of aghast at everything that was going on and what I was going to say to you, but I said I'll deliberately hold. It was a crazy, crazy race. Quickly, before you go with what you were going to say, we should just um, specify for a brief oh, yeah, we haven't actually talked it about already. It, <laughs> it is the 2017 World Championship race in London, and it is the 3,000-meter steeplechase. All right, go. So what I was going to liken it to is, you know, when you go to an art gallery and you find a painting that you really like, and no matter where you look in that painting, there's lots of little extra bits going on that you didn't there's spot always, beforehand. Yeah, you just the longer you look at it and the more times you watch this race and the longer you look at the painting, yeah, the more stuff you start to notice. It's just, I've never watched a race where there's just so many, like, literally just moving parts. It, it, it's unbelievable <laughs> to watch. and. I don't know a huge amount about the steeplechase, but the one thing that I do know is that obviously it's a longer distance race with hurdles injected into it and a water jump as well, which, I mean, I don't know the distance between the deepest part of a water pit and the top of a steeplechase hurdle, but I'd imagine it's probably about five foot, six foot. It's quite a a drop, isn't it? Um, Yeah, maybe more than that. I mean, those pits are deeper than you think. Exactly. if you jumped directly downwards from the top of the barrier into the deepest part of the pool, which I wouldn't recommend doing if you try to run a quick steeple, but yeah, you have quite a drop on your hands. Um, so, so yeah, so with a the steeplechase, there's naturally going to be a lot of stuff to consider and, a, and, and it's those mental things you've got to work out as you go along. I've never run a steeplechase, yes. but I can respect that it's one of those things you've got to know how you're going to jump and know exactly when and where you're going to jump and and to talk about when and where you're going to jump let's talk about the very first lap of this race because i couldn't believe that this happened that you've got this world class (laughs) on a world championship level exactly on a world championship level and the thing is when you watch this race because you can do this on youtube like we said all the commentators in the build-up to this everything they say before the gun goes off is this is the best field ever assembled there's so many good runners in here oh my goodness, this is the best field of women's steeplechasers you could ever hope to see together. So, yep. And the, if anything, by saying that, they were probably downplaying just how good that field was. Like, they, like it was incredible. Like you've got, and I think they said all the fastest times in the world were there. I think they'd said that you'd had... Yep, well, a lot of the fastest times in history. Uh, the world record holder was in that race, which we won't, we'll say... Uh, 
yeah, we'll, we just it's Ruth Jabet who we've talked about on this podcast before for doping. She's been currently banned for serving a, a doping suspension, but at the time we didn't know that. And, but she yeah. inject she injected a lot of drama, but not immediately because the most immediate no. thing that happened with this is that, and for anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> this is one thing that I do know about steeplechasing is that where you have the water jump is you can't have that obviously in the middle of the track. So they have a, sort no. of, they have a sort of a cutaway of the, of the track. And you often see this on a things that sort of, it, it cuts away and you have to kind of run inside the loop of the track. And that's where it's always, that yeah, it's always either on the inside or the outside of the track. It's yeah, it's never obviously in the middle of the track, unless somebody wants to build a track that's specifically for only steeplechase, <laughs> which would be, to be fair, that would be kind of cool to see. It would so be they cool. Can start and they can get, cause it's hard to get splits for the 3000 steeplechase i know roughly the 2k is just after the back the barrier on the back stretch the second barrier on the back straight but, but um but yeah that's the, beside the, the point the athletes literally after a lap in let's be honest an olympic stadium i know it's obviously five years removed but this is still mm. a world famous olympic isn't it yeah it's well, not, I, I mean i was there i can testify to the fact that it was pretty packed you know it's a it's a pretty significant stadium that you should have been able to do your homework on and i dare say some of them have probably already <laughs> run on the thing a lot um, but they don't know mm. where they're going and they literally i think about four or five of them initially go to split off as if they were going to go round the track without going through it and they only realize as the people next to them start to go in the opposite direction um, yeah and, this... and i have no idea how that happened because these are all like you say they're the best runners in the world and i think maybe it was not that there was that many of them that didn't know they were supposed to cut in and go to the jump i think one of them and it was probably the one who ended up running wide i think was it jeb Koskai? Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it was, yeah, I think it was I the I think it was the was it the youngster who ran wide? I can't remember her name. Um, um, either way, it, it was one of the Kenyan runners. Um, yeah, she just ran around the outside. No and so much, reason. so much so because I dare say, had she run around the outside without doing anything, she'd have been disqualified. So she actually yes. has to loop back around and probably ends up running what another maybe 10 15 meters by the time she's completed this if she runs past it then runs it, back. it may have even been longer than that. i mean she stops dead turns around runs back runs back past the barrier so she can have a run up into the water jump barrier like she doesn't just run to the barrier hop over it and she runs back past it she must have run yeah an extra 50 meters at least it's craziness and yeah she's miles off the back it's craziness so she Absolutely gets like, miles off so she gets over it and then they continue the run and fair play to her. And I think strategically she probably did the right thing because then almost immediately after all this had happened, uh, you know, maybe a couple of hundred meters down the, you know, down the track is I think there was a, there was a fall and I think about three or four people all got caught up in it. So that group, yeah, that, no, it was a big fall. That group kind of almost gets cut in half straight away. Um, so, so like I say, it's just so much going on is that you've just had this person not know where the hell they're going. Then you've had this fall that's taken half the field out. Meanwhile, the girl that had to go round the water jump has now put the gas down to then catch up with the running, the lead She's group as well. clawing people in. And do you know what? I think that fall probably helped her. I think you're like, right. To absolutely no end because it gave her some closer targets to aim at just pick that one off, pick that one off. All right. She's still laying on the floor. Pick her off. Like, but mean, meanwhile, like you say, um, Jabet, who was leading the race at that point, she wasn't going slow either. She was really pouring it on. Yeah, I mean, they were going around about 
just outside nine minute pace, I think. I think their first kilometer split was around about nine oh uh, three oh one, three oh two, something like that. Yeah, it was it was fairly it was fairly quick, I think. So she was mm. really up the up the front. The pace was really being pushed and um and in the end, like we say, I can't remember the name, but the the girl that had had to go around and do all the work then somehow manages to really grit her teeth and get back up in that lead pack. Yeah, and am I <laughs> maybe you didn't maybe you noticed it better than I did but whenever I've watched this race and I've watched it a couple of times since obviously seeing it live she kind of comes out of nowhere like I have no idea how she did that <laughs> yeah no I agree like, to I agree. this day I will never know how she went from being 50 meters off the back of the group plus to then being back in that leading group but I think it's <laughs> again I think this is all to do with because there's probably so much you know you're trying to work out who's recovered from the fall and you're trying to work out if they're going to go around at a world record pace or what's going on there's so much going on that all of a sudden by the time you sort of reset your eyes to what looks like a normal race it's, um, yeah you're just like someone oh, else she, oh she's back okay yeah, yeah so, exactly <laughs> so then I think it's fair to say that after that a decent amount of the race then starts to go kind of more what you'd expect again more back to normal um because it's more it's pretty similar to what you described um which is typical of a marathon race earlier of there was that lead group and it was yeah it was about five or six of them or so and it just slowly whittled down like you'd lose one runner then the next lap you'd lose another then you'd lose another and you'd lose another until it came to that final lap and i think it might have been just before or just after the la- the bell for the last lap that jebet started falling off yeah i've got it uh, here that she uh, where have i got it she falls she falls off on the last lap i've got i said there's basically it was on the last lap there's a group of, there's a group of five of them all left with um with the with the on the last lap and then as they roll around to about i think 200 meters i've got on my notes here yeah she, they're coming she down, yeah that's it off. she falls off down the back straight yep that's it so she falls off down the back straight and you've got the two americans emma coburn and courtney frericks and then you've got two kenyans is that right yep with jabet who's i think bahrainian who cares anyway she's drugs cheap um she then falls off and one of those two kenyans that is in there is the youngster who is i think what did they say like 18 something like 18, that yeah, yeah and then the other one is the one that fell over earlier in the race just again there's so many moving parts going on here uh and it's crazy and then as you come round to the final bend again this is as you'd expect with a dramatic races kind of thing there's there, it's still close but as oh the, actually <laughs> just quick rewinding a little bit quickly on. at some point down the back straight Courtney Frericks of America takes the lead, which at the time to me, I was like, what the Because <laughs> I had seen her running like the NCAA cross country and stuff. She ran for the University of New Mexico and like she was pretty good. She, I think she set the NCAA record in the steeple. So like, I obviously knew who she was as a collegiate athlete about the same age. But seeing her leading the world championships, I was like, what? How? Like, what is going on here? So that was that was kind of a cool moment. Anyway, carry on. But yeah, like we say, as as we come round to the to the last hundred meters or hundred and fifty meters or so, oh, we've got to talk about the last water jump. I can't even remember what happened. Go on, what happened? So right, so with about two hundred meters to go, one of the Kenyans takes off, which kind of backdoors the other one. Yeah, and the two Americans, Frericks and Coburn, are kind of with it, but there's maybe a little bit of daylight opens there. And I know in my mind, I was thinking, oh, here we go again. Like the Kenyan, 
in the steeplechase, going to go take the gold. Yeah. But the way that those two Americans attacked that last water jump was unreal. Emma Coburn, especially, she won the race on that last water jump. Like the ground that she made up and then surpassed on the other two during over that last water jump was insane. And I'm pretty sure it was an inside pass that she made to make that move. Okay, Which, I don't. I didn't remember that because I was clearly so bowled over by everything. <laughs> everything else. Was yeah, well, it was like you say. There's so many moving parts that you missed probably one of the best tactical moves in any steeplechase ever, male or female. Um, yeah, she did that, and that's then she just sort of maintained until the line. Um, managed to sprint away for the goals, and then USA went one-two with Ferrix in second, which I think she wouldn't be offended to hear is one of the biggest surprises I've ever seen in a world championship. Uh, well, in he, any event, in athletics. so this, these are, these are a few things that I, uh, that I then pulled back, uh, or I pulled off the commentary here is they then said that this was the first USA medal in this event, not like women's, not anything the first USA medal in this event for wait for it for 65 years. And they got a one, they got a one, two, um, I think, yeah, I, I suppose in the world championships, yeah, because I know Evan Jager medaled in the men's steeplechase um, in 2016 in Rio in the Olympics. Um, I'm sure he's got a world championship medal as well. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pulling off what they said in the commentary, so I haven't fact-checked yeah. it's important for me to say. Um, but also, I think they said, uh, is it Ferex, you pronounced this lady who came second? Ferex, yeah. Yeah, she, she ran a 16-second PB. <laughs> so, it's unreal isn't show, it? shows you the form that they were on shows you how much sugar they had in their coffee before they came out yeah okay so jager was um the male who was also american who was medaled at world championships so he came second in rio and he was third in that championship so if we assume that the women's final was before the men's final that was probably you're probably right with your little facts there yeah um unbelievable but like i say that to to watch that race, having not known much about steeplechase and not knowing really anything about it, to to watch that race and just to see it unfold bit by bit by bit, it was I was hooked on watching it. It was just crazy. It's just crazy to see it all flying off at once. So an absolutely brilliant choice, I think, to have have up in that third spot. Absolutely, very deserving of the of the bronze medal in this steadfast greatest races of all time podcast. But go on then. Let's, let's 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 talk let's talk legacy races now let's talk let's all right talk silver you want to give out the silver medal do you go on then i'll give it out Ooh, go on go on tell us tell us about it wind the clock back 2003 so this is a hell of a long time ago now you think this is geez 17 years ago now yeah, it doesn't feel like it at all. <laughs> but again, we've got these athletes that we've already mentioned half a dozen times. We've got Kipchoge and we've got Bekele, as well as El Garouge, who is obviously so significant from being a 1,500-meter performer and having a mile world record, you know, just on the table as well, casually. Why not? Why would Yeah, El Garouge is certainly no slouch. I'm pretty sure he's he ran significantly sub-13 for the 5,000, so it's not like he was just a jumped up 1500 meter runner that was way out of his depth he won so he's won world titles i think he might have even won the olympics in um athens in the 5000 so literally the year after this but i may be wrong there but anyway so we're looking what at what a showdown but yeah we're looking at 
we're looking at these runners who we know performed well. And this is, and we talk about Kipchoge now, obviously, in such massive high regards because of what he's achieved in the marathon. This is, yeah, this is this when is, he was a relative unknown. He was 18 years old in this race. 18 years old. And I think they had, they'd, they'd clocked him as one of the fastest in the world at the time for the year. But yeah, I, well, I think he was the current world junior champion, um, either over cross country or over 5,000 meters or maybe even both. But either way, he was a world junior champion and to become world junior champion, generally, you, that means that you are competitive on the world stage at a senior level anyway. Exactly. So we knew that like they knew that he was a hell of a runner, but I mean, he's racing against the 5,000-meter and 10,000-meter world record holder and the 1,500-mile world record holder, you wouldn't think that he'd factor against El Garouge and Bekele both in their prime. It's a daunting kind of prospect, isn't it? You are stood... It really you are, is. You are stood looking at the bottom of a massive staircase and you've, you've, <laughs> you've, you've got to decide how you're going to take that first step. So Absolutely. the race gets going. And to be fair, as far as just a race goes, it's just one of those it's just kind of one of those good races to watch like it doesn't become obvious who's going to win you have enough kind of people dropped off that you know there's some you know there's some movement like is there's just enough going on that makes it a good race wherever you join i think is fair to definitely. say definitely and there's an interesting tactical element to this one as well because you've obviously got the strength versus speed like we talked about earlier and it's Bekele on the strength side again with, he must hate it with these 1500 meter runners coming up and trying to run, trying to run the 5000 against him. Yeah. Because Bekele's gone to the front and he's pushed the pace because he knows again if he leaves if he's if El Garouge is anywhere near him with fresh legs with uh, anything from eight to eight, El Garouge did kick from relatively far out for a 1500 meter runner he would like to wind it up from six 700 meters out but. If El Garouge's legs were fresh enough to start winding with a couple of laps to go, Bekele knew he didn't stand a chance. Like, 326 speed versus, I can't remember what Bekele's PB was for the 1500, but I don't think it was under 330. No, you know it's going to be pretty sharp, don't you? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to be quick. And he probably was capable of running sub 330 back when he was closing out 10Ks and 52. Um, But Either way, Bukele pushing the pace. He's the strength man. And a couple of times in the early stages, you do see Kipchoge just sort of drift to the front. And if you didn't know who any of these guys... If you were watching... Not if you didn't know who these guys were, sorry. If you were watching this in 2003, you'd think, who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? And like, what's, what's he doing? <laughs> and, and if we sort of fast forward a little bit as the race really starts to get hot... You do again. You see these big moves being made, but even with a lap left, there's still sort of you know five or six of them left in the tank, basically. And you mm. really start to see some drama and some fireworks fly because as they come through the bell, like I said, there's about five of them. And like we've said beforehand a couple of times, is it just gets a little bit quicker, a little bit hotter. One person drops off, and I think there's two Kenyans behind this gr- this group of three running up the front. Um, I don't know if I'm not sure if they're kings. I think they are, but um, but you sort of you see them. I I, I actually can't remember. It's like this race. It's but they're so having, focused on those first three. Exactly, but they're they're having their own little battle, and then one of them drops off, and meanwhile El Garouge is going like you see him with like sort of two three hundred sort of in left to go. You see him really, and obviously he's such a tall figure as well, and he's got those big long mm. strides, and you see him. Start he's to put he's somebody daylight. that's almost. 
it's intimidating to watch him when he's sprinting. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's one of those people where you look at him and you think, God, I wish I could run like that. <laughs> and he's got that determination. Um, but then I think mm. it's as they come around that final bend, that's just what, that's just what electrifies it. Um is that you kind of you see them all come around that final bend and you think you've got Morocco, you've got Kenya, you've got Ethiopia, you've got those African nations that have just been famed for running. And as they come and around, they're just going at it, they're taking lumps out of each other. And the thing that's fantastic about it is they all they're spaced enough where they all if you I'm I'm actually just brought it up on my screen now, um and I'm just watching watching the finish in slow motion. Um, is they all end up in um, individual lanes. They go literally lane one, two, and three as they come around that bend. Who, out of interest, who is in which lane? Uh, El Garouge is in lane one, Kipchoge two, uh, Bekele three. So it's kind of, if you imagine them coming around, it's that width again about yeah. who's trying to hang on to that inside line the best. And it is so, 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 so close. And as you're getting to the... F- as you get into the what, last 10 metres, you sort of see Kipchoge just hold his form together a little yeah, bit Yeah, he just inches ahead, doesn't he? And uh, yeah, at some point, the, I think the commentator makes the bold early call there. And it's like, Kipchoge wins it. And yeah. you're like, what? It's, it, I think it's just so entertaining to watch because you really see all of them hurting in their own individual way. You start to 100%. see, you see something that's Did very I... uncharacteristic of the Kipchoge that we now know, which is his head is rocking all over the place and he's, Oh, he's visibly hurting. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. His form starting to get, you can tell he's just holding on to that last shred of form. What I was going to say is, did I send you the link, a link to that video? Was it obvious who won in the title? Did it say so, like Kipchoge 2003? Or did you watch that race not knowing who won? Um, I had watched that race previous um, to the beforehand. Ah. But there is no... But I had watched it before not knowing who was going to win because the link that you sent me is probably the same one that I watched. It's got a million and a half views, so it's bound to be the one that anyone finds. Mm. Um, but it is, it is incredible. It's a tremendous thing to watch. Yeah, watching that without knowing who's going to win, like, yeah. <laughs> again it's one of those ones just if you, insane if you printed it if you printed off the screenshot of the last 200 meters you said right here's one and then you did another one in five meters five meters five meters like that. if you just printed off those frames and said who's going to win i mean it's still anybody's business isn't it right up to the finish oh absolutely and i think now as well it, history has been very very kind to this race because if you said right these three are going to run a 5000 it's going to be a decent pace but not crazy and it's going to come down to a big kick who's going to win i don't think many would say kipchoge (laughs) let's be honest Um, if you're doing a fantasy 5000 most people are going to pick bakali or el garouge exactly and and like you say and this is a i think this is the last point that we should round off before we get to number one is yes is that it's just so cool because you've now got in the space of let's be honest a couple of meters by the finish You've got the 1500 meter, the mile, the 5000 meter, the 10,000. Well, hang, hang on, hang on. Go on let's go on, do go them on. in. Let's do them in the appropriate order. Let's on, get. Then. Let's mention Kipchoge first. Okay. You've oh, got right. oh, I see finishing that. in first place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing. You've it. got the world record holder in the marathon, the first man to ever run sub two hours for the marathon. Then finishing second place, you've got the fastest 1500 meter and mile runner of all time. And then in third place, in the 5,000, you have the 5,000-meter world record holder who also holds the record in the 10,000. Like, 
those won just records. about everything else going as well. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he was the Olympic champion at that. Oh, no, no, maybe he wasn't. Either way, like, he was... He was the Caleb. Boss. He was certainly the 10,000 meter champion from those world champions. On that race, crazy. Just a crazy, crazy race. And I don't think I don't think we'll ever get a race like that again with names of that magnitude all going head to head that go on to have the careers that those guys had. Yeah, it is a history sweet spot in terms of athletics, isn't it? It really is. And to be honest, if we had taken absolutely no outside, if it had been just me on my own, no outside influences, I'd have put that as number one. Oh, yeah. But it's not. It's not our number one. What is our number one? Who's the gold medalist? Well, anyone who's savvy will have worked this out already. But it's a race they that will have. It's, it's, a, it's a race that we talked about in such high regard in our last pod. And it's a race that I just find myself talking about and watching a lot. It's it's just because it's literally the best race of all time. It is. It is just such a. And it's I, official. I, we've we've branded it as that now. It's and I think the thing is, I think it's important to mention this from other aspects. So from a performance standpoint, it's excellent. From everybody else who ran in it, the people that didn't win, it's still excellent. Um, and and from a race, I think it's pretty excellent as well. Tactical. Yeah. It in terms of like what was happening with positions moving around and things like that, we should probably mention if you've not figured out already is the 2012 Olympic race over 800 meters where David Rudisha just obliterated everyone and the world record and ran one minute, 40 seconds for 800, which is just absolutely unthinkable. But yeah, it's exactly like we said in the last podcast, the way he just dominated and the way he ran that race with just perfect splits from the front, no pacemaker, I, I, to be honest, I don't really have much to say about it because well, it just speaks for itself. I know. Well, the point I was going to make just before we go off on on why we like it so much, and and well, obviously we can do that so quickly because it's because of what it is and how how good it all is. But I was going to say, and this is something yeah, I said and how you, much we've discussed it already as well. Yeah, it's something I'll say to to all of our listeners. But I said this to you earlier: is that it's the perfect sweet spot to watch as well. There's a lot, 800 meters yeah 800 a, meters is a very watchable race and i think the reason that it's so good is if we compare it to the other races you compare it to 10 second 100 meters it's over bang it's over as soon as it starts it's really easy to just you know walk out the room and then come back and go how'd you get on oh no you missed it whereas at least with this it's it's <laughs> it's two minutes it's long enough that, it's engaging that you know it can start and you can say oh come on the race has started and you can call somebody in when you watch mm. a 400 meters, everyone goes round and they stay in their lanes. So it's, and because of how a stagger works, obviously on a track, it's sometimes hard to tell who's going to win until it comes right down to the last straight. But Absolutely. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's very, very clear. If it's a close race, it's hard to tell who, yeah, who is in the lead. But, but with an 800, obviously you get that perfect blend of everybody on their own sort of start lane. So you get, everyone gets their own focus on the camera then there's a pack where it all looks like a longer distance race, but then you've got the advantage. It's only, you know, just over a minute and a half long. So you don't have to watch because what, let's be honest, a lot of people that don't like running or don't get running, go, I get bored. And if you said, mm. oh, come watch a 10,000 meter for 25, 26, 27 minutes, they're going to go, oh, do I have to? It sounds like a long time. Whereas two minutes, everyone's <laughs> you know, two I minutes. Those people 
Do you know what? Those people, I don't want to know. Because in my <laughs> opinion, 10,000 metres is the most interesting race to watch on the track. It's a good if race you to properly watch. properly engage and you know what's going on with the... You don't even really need to go know what's going on. Just be observant of the different moves that people make. If you're getting splits given to you and there's good commentary if you're watching it on TV or you've got a knowledgeable crowd around you if you're watching it live. I think the 10,000 and Highgate approved this with their event, like the 10,000 PBs. Yeah. 10,000 meters, most interesting race on the track. Rant over, carry on about release. Go on. I was just going to say that is if you're a stranger to it, if you struggle to watch athletics or if you don't find that engaged it, but you love the Olympics or something like that, this is one of those absolutely perfect events to watch. So, twin, absolutely. twin a perfect, very watchable event with. The performance that Rudisha put in that, like you said, we don't need to talk a huge amount about, but the confidence and the aggression that he went out and just ran that race is is something oh, unbelievable. It is, it is just ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm struggling to think of anything new to say about it that we haven't already said in our previous podcast. Well, to be I, th- I think the only the only other few things that is always good to watch is is obviously there's a screenshot where it cuts in on his face. I think with probably about two or three hundred left to go, and you see his absolute determination. Um, yes, yeah, so, I remember we spoke about that last that time. His eyes are just so focused. And yeah. then you go and you cut to obviously people like Nigel Amos, who I think came second in that race, the Botswana runner, and. Yes. Um, he, if you want to see somebody who pulls some funny faces at the end of a race, he's the person to go and watch. Because... Well, actually, if you want to see somebody really die at the end of the race as well, it's Amos. Oh, man, what I can't remember which Diamond League it was, but it was at some point last year in 2019. It was the last Diamond League before the World Championship. Amos went out hard, and he was on world record pace for a long, long time. But watch, he came down the home straight, and honestly, I've never seen anybody look like they've been in so much pain running down the home straight as him in that race. And Donovan Brazier from the US actually ended up coming past him in the home straight and running. It might have been an American record. I'm not I, sure I whether he, he ran it in. American record. He I'm does sure have the American record, but I just race, can't yeah. remember whether he got it there or whether he got it when he won the world championships later on in the year. But either way, that, that was a brilliant race. And I think that's, all I really have to say about Rudisha, no. I mean, well, she's very you... deserving of the gold medal here, of, exactly. the, of the title of the greatest race of all time. And do, and do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm, I know the perfect way to bookend this is because we can Go admit, because we can admit that we have no idea what the hell we're talking about and that we completely contradicted ourselves and that we're massive hypocrites because do you remember right at the start of this podcast we said that just because just because it's not the quickest race of all time that doesn't mean it's you know it doesn't mean that it's a good or a bad race but what yeah. we've done we've, we've chosen our favorite race ever with an absolutely ballistic world record with a world record yeah no i know <laughs> but either way i don't think any of the other hold on no yeah none of the other ones on this apart from obviously mike boyt running the fastest mile of all uh, any human ever None of these other ones were world record. These were mostly championship-style races. In fact, they were all championship races except the Great North Run. Yeah, so um, we've, we've just used the world record as a little cherry on the top of our, well, of our Yeah, first a nice place little race. cherry on the top. The last thing, so that's the greatest races of all time, but let's. I want to prompt any listeners to tell us what your greatest race of all time is. And I want us to offer ours up as well. Um, we can talk about entertainment value, performance, or a combo of the two. I know you don't have quite as vast of a um, 
a pond to fish from as I do. But I mean, yours, I think, is quite an obvious decision as well. And we'll see if we're on the same page here. But I think your five minute mile is probably one of the better entertainment value races that I could think of. Oh, I, as as far as an achievement for me, it's still one of my proudest, most like, uh, do you know what? Every now and again, I go back and I think about what I actually did and I go, yeah, that was pretty cool. So yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I love as, as a personal achievement. I loved it. It's definitely my running achievements until I finally do finish the marathon. We won't talk about it, but as, <laughs> when I do finish, that will probably crown it no matter, regardless of my time. But up until that point, yeah, it's got to be my, uh, my sub hundred percent and you know what i don't think this i don't know that you'd be able to make a marathon video or run a marathon race regardless of whether there's footage of it that beats that project five video check <laughs> it out on youtube guys just go to sam wade's youtube channel you'll be able to find it pretty easily it's one of the more watched views out there uh, more watched videos on his channel and just follow the journey that we go on this you were the first that was the first time i'd ever coached anyone was coaching you for 10 weeks to see if you could break five in the mile we documented the whole thing before the before training during training and then the mile time trial in the horrible pissing rain and yeah i mean it was just amazing go on then very quickly what would you what would you say your would you say that you've got a crowning race uh and then we'll, we'll, we'll close off after that yeah so i have i have a few uh, I've got a choice of three that I'm going to give the listener, and they're all on YouTube. Or is it two of them that are on YouTube? No, no, three of them that are all on YouTube. I have a fourth that is somewhere deep lost in the archives of FlowTrack, and that's annoyingly probably the best sprint I've ever produced at the end of a race. They're all fairly fairly close races. So my honourable mention in fourth place was the IC4A three indoor 3000 meter championships in, I think it was 2000. It was so long ago. I can't even remember. I think it was 2015. Maybe it was 2016 where I won on a pretty nifty kick around 26 for the last 200, which I've never done before or since in my life. So very proud of that. It was a good race. It was a close race as well. I won the race by less than a second. Nice. Um, now I'll give you a race that I actually lost and you can find all of the next three of these on Mark Hookway's YouTube channel. Um, yeah, if you, do, if you go on his channel and you search for the name of the race, which I'll give you um, and the year, it should be fairly easy to find if you want to give him a watch. If not, then I'm just rambling for no reason. So the one that I actually lost, it was the Watford Elite 3000, which is kind of an invitational that Mark put together. People who haven't listened to Mark's podcast, give it a listen. In fact, all th- no, two of the three are Hookway organized races. Um, so yeah, this is one that he put together, just invited a bunch of the best runners in the country over to Watford to run a fast 3000 meters, a 3000 meter time trial race. And yeah, the, the pace was good. The pace was quick. People were kind of shifting around in the pack and with 600 meters to go, guy called Richard Allen absolutely takes off. And I find myself being the only one that's kind of willing to chase him. So I go after him and he's got a couple of meters on me. And then I've got a couple of meters on the rest of the group, which is a fairly, not a dense group, but there's three or four guys that are in kind of in contention. And it kind of carries on like this all the way up until about 200 to go when I start reeling Richard Allen in. 
and the group is fairly split up by this point, but there's still a good couple of them that are kind of in contention. So I start reeling him in. It comes to the home straight, and I kind of pull up on his shoulder, and he puts in a little bit of a response. I put in a little bit of a response, and then from absolutely out of nowhere, Luke Trainer comes flying past. People may know who people may know who Luke Trainer is. If not, like he's, he's a very good runner um, who is unfortunately serving a doping suspense right now for a not a performance enhancing substance. Um, just from being a bit of a silly boy, I don't think you'll mind me saying. Okay, but yeah, he comes absolutely. No, well, it's not politics. He just was a bit silly on a night out, um, and it came back to bite him in the ass. Um, yeah, he comes absolutely flying past, wins the race. This just completely undoes me because I cannot believe that someone has just done this, like just come from absolutely nowhere. So I buckle a little bit and just sort of stumble my way into third. Rich hands up, hangs on for second, and we all ran massive PBs. So, yeah, that's one of the most entertaining races I've been a part of. Quickly, another one, uh, BMC 5,000 metres at Watford again in 2018. I won the 5,000 meter race pretty much just from tucking in behind the pacemaker initially and then just ramping the pace up and up and up and up. Similar to what we discussed, just slowly dropping different members of the field with 100 meters to go. Somebody tries to come around me and I just wasn't having any of it and just took off, ended up winning the race. Last one is another, like I say, the uh, uh, Mark Hookway race that he organized at the tombridge twilight invitational that was last year in the 3000 meters again because we love a good 3000 meters apparently that's my best distance <laughs> um yeah it, i mean these races are all good entertainment value races i'd stick them in the top 10 to be honest mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no it was turned into a fairly tactical race uh guy who i know and have raced against a few times jack gray ended up being the one to kind of take the pace on and try and ramp it up over the last couple of laps so i thought to myself i mean if i'm if i'm gonna beat him i'm probably not gonna run away from him i'm probably gonna need to save this for a last second sprint so made sure i was kind of in as close a contact as possible for him and just took off with 150 meters to go and yeah ended up winning that race so there it is those are my most exciting races we want to hear from your you guys as well the listeners if you've got links to YouTube or if you've got a good racing story of the most exciting races you've seen or been a part of and ran yourself, let us know. Do it. And also we can get in touch with you. You can get in touch with us via the Instagram, uh, via any, any of the socials that obviously Kieran is in charge of running. So please do that. We'd love to hear from you as always. Um, but do you know, Kieran, we've said this, you said 90 minutes. We've just clocked over the two hours and nine minute marks. So we're coming up to two hours and 10. So, <laughs> oh wow. So yeah, you we'll know what, this is, this, this is definitely ended up in two halves again. So well done to anybody who said, yeah, <laughs> said in your mind, of course that went into two halves. Well done. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll close this one off again. So thanks again for everyone for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed that list. It was, again, it was a lot of fun compiling them and watching them. And I will do my best to include all of those links in the description. Um, Certainly the YouTube video. I'll see if Spotify lets me link that much information in the bottom. Um, But there will be a way to see them all. So 
Thanks again. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope that you guys stay safe. Do remember to stay home and do everything that you can to help those around you by not going out and, uh, and doing too much crazy stuff in these times of need. And I guess we will have to get on the phone again sometime, Kieran, and record another one of these. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we'll try and come up with a bit more of a neutral subject so it's not two hours of me just ranting and raving <laughs> about my favourite races. Again, like I absolutely love this stuff. Like I had a lot of fun making this, but yeah and again if anyone has any suggestions let us know uh, maybe we'll try and get ourselves a little interview or something hooked up but yeah until then like sam says stay safe stay practice social distancing and once again guys do not eat bats <laughs> uh, thanks again everyone see you soon <laughs> cheers guys <laughs>